Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. Our guest tonight is Sam Delich, who is currently starring in Christmas Bloody Christmas in theaters now and premiering on Shudder tomorrow, December 9th. Sam, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. How are things down under in Australia? Uh, my absolute pleasure. They're good. It's very hot here today. Uh, it'll be in, uh, it's, you know, 30-something degrees here, so it means it's in the hundreds over there. I mean, I mean, that just, I've never been south of the equator. That just boggles my mind that you guys celebrate summer in the middle of December. I mean, you guys are oh. out barbecuing at Christmas. Our, our Christmas, yeah, is literally like shrimp on the barbie sort of vibe. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's always outdoors. It's always white wine in the sun, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's how I grew up. So it's, yeah, I'm used to it now. I've, I've never had a, a, a wintry Christmas myself. Well, you know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. One day I'll get to experience it for myself. So let's get started with the movie. Um, now, Christmas Bloody Christmas, like I like we talked about before we went live, is this fun slasher horror flick made for the Christmas season uh, about an AI robotic Santa that goes on a killing spree. Now, what did you think of the story when you first read it? Uh... It was interesting when it first came my way it was you know like any other audition and i i got the script and i read it i initially thought oh here we go it's just gonna be a abc whatever horror slasher film but then as i started reading it and the the dialogue started popping out of me i thought it's almost got this sort of link later s improvisational sort of feel to it and i thought this is like nothing i've ever read obscure music references, obscure film references. And I thought, holy shit, this is a man that is making a movie, not for this crazy wide audience, but a, but a movie that he himself is just passionate about. And I thought, okay, awesome. And then once I went through the audition process, yeah, Joe was uh, happy enough to cast me. It, it is. It, it was really, really great. Now, what were, when it comes to your character, you play Robbie Reynolds. Uh, what did you think of your character and how were you going to make him your... What elements were you going to add to Robbie to make him your own? Um, it was funny. When I got the brief for the role, I, I was... My partner at the time was next to me. And she read the sides and said, holy fuck, Sam, this is you. Literally, <laughs> this is you. And I went, yeah, I know. There's, there's a lot of Robbie in me. I mean, I'm not as, I'm not as hard drinking and, and, and swearing as he is. But I think... Uh, look, I think I, I, I naturally have quite a high energy as, as a human, and I think I try to bring as much of that to Robbie as possible. Um, you know, I've worked in immeasurable amounts of retail jobs and stores and things like that, so I know the dynamic between you and your co-worker and stuff like that. I certainly think most men can um, can relate to that sort of will-they-won't-they they unrequited love feeling, you know? Exactly, exactly. Now... Robbie and Tori uh, have this amazing dynamic. And, you know, we got to give a shout out to Riley Dandy, who plays Tori. She does a great job with Tori. Uh, what did you guys, I mean, I, I can't really even put it into words. You guys just really had this chemistry. You bounced off each other with that banter and everything. Uh, did that just come about naturally? Did you and Riley, you know, talk for periods before you started shooting? How did that come about? I never um, I never met her until the day before we started shooting. 
Wow. And the first things we shot were literally smack bang in the middle of the film at the house, which is, you know, some of the more intimate yeah. dialogue sort of scenes. I think, I even think our, our sex scene was day three or something, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but no, we instantaneously hit it off, just like fast friends, uh, which is when we, both, well, I was talking to a, a couple of days ago and we both just said how thankful we were that our co-star was just so willing to throw themselves in and just go there. Um, and look, it's a testament to Joe's writing as well. I mean, there is impro- improvisation in the film. A lot of the walk and talks towards the end of those, like we're just riffing and things like that. And, you know, Joe would always let us have improvised takes. But it's a testament to his writing that it, it's just so naturalistic and real. And it just it just fit me and Riley so perfectly that, yeah, it was just bouncing off each other. She'd throw an idea out, I'd roll with it, or I'd throw an idea yeah, it was a really safe space for us to, to create and play, and Joe really trusted both of us. So the whole environment sort of added to that. Okay, so that sort of leads me to my next question. Joe Bagos, like we said, he directed, wrote the film. Uh, I was going to ask if you guys, because of the nature of the story and your characters, did you guys have to approach Joe to get a clearer understanding of what your roles were going to be? Or like you said, was the writing just so well done that it was all right there for you? Uh, a lot of it was there for us. Like I said, when I read it, I thought, oh, I am Robbie. Um, but I certainly wasn't familiar with some of the more obscure film and, and band references. And so Joe sent us both, me and Riley, a uh, Spotify playlist of sort of all the bands we mentioned in the, uh, yeah. in the film and then a bunch of sort of source material, so films that have influenced this. I mean, obviously Terminator being one of them, but yeah. he told me to look at uh, Green Room, for example. Obviously, the tone is, is very different. That's a yeah. much dark, serious film. But he said, you know, for Robbie, that's sort of like wannabe rock star sort of feeling and things like that. Joe kept a nice balance, and you guys as well, of not getting the film into too serious of a, of a mode. And a, a lot of filmmakers try to take what should be a nice slasher horror flick and then make the story a little bit too complicated, too serious. This movie has a nice balance. Um, what did you guys as the cast and the crew do to keep the atmosphere light on the set that you guys were shooting? Uh, look, I think we were all, uh, all stuck together in a way. We were shooting in a, in a lovely little town called Placerville in El Dorado County, just outside of Sacramento. And uh, just due to the fact it was night shoots for the entire yeah. time, no one really left town. So the camaraderie was there, and I think the bands is flying behind the scenes. And, every, you know, we were well aware of what we were making. There's the great Abe Ben Ruby in a Santa costume. He's a towering figure at about six foot six. You know, they're covered in blood, and there's sort of an absurdity to it. And so you do kind of have a laugh and go, like, what the fuck are we doing? This is insane. <laughs> exactly. Literally. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm running down a main street and Sanders chasing me. Um, but I, I think, yeah, to answer your question, it was, it was really just that camaraderie that sort of, you know, all the jokes and things like that. And obviously you take it seriously when you're shooting the heavy scenes. I mean, it doesn't matter totally whether a film is uh, a comedy or it's a drama. You just got to play the truth of it. Exactly. And that's where it's going to sell. Uh, so yeah, there were certainly moments where it was quite heavy, and some of the you know the the uh, more action-based scenes, although they come across really fun shooting them, you know it's four in the morning, you're exhausted, it's freezing out, 
So it is, yeah, it can be really serious. But what I did like upon viewing it a few times is, yeah, you're right, that light tone sort of really shines through. Exactly. Now, was there any of your back and forth banter? Uh, you guys, you sort of mentioned you played with it when maybe went off script. Did any of that actually make it into the film? Yeah, I, I actually saw an interview with Joe the other day, and he he, uh, he talked about how he thinks about thirty percent of our improvisation made it in. We, nice. I really, I really think you know. I think Joe trusted us so wholeheartedly. And once we started gauging the sort of vibe of the dialogue, and obviously you're hanging out with Joe, and, and you know, I think I can. It's safe to say that Joe, in a way, wrote himself into Tori. Mm-hmm. And so once you're hanging out with Joe and you get that rhythm, you sort of start to pick it up and you're like, okay, cool. I'm just going to add this and add that and add this. And, you know, music in between takes was always blaring. There'd be Black Sabbath, you know, blaring through speakers between setups. So the whole atmosphere was like, all right, fucking rock and roll. Let's go, you know? One scene that, I, that had me questioning was towards the beginning when you guys were in the bar and that the cop came in. He really did not like your character, Robbie, but we're not really told why uh, exactly that, you know, dislike is there. What kind of story did you come up for that? Because the cops Uh, later on in the movie do play a a more prominent role. They do. Um, Yeah, it was funny because Jeff, that was was Jeff Daniel Phillips' sort of take on it. He sort of went, it wasn't so much written that way. He sort of went into it and discussed with Joe and was like, I want to like be quite warm to Tori, but really, really hate Robbie. Yeah. And so in my opinion, it was like, okay, he's the town misfit. Like he's a bit of a, he's not a bad boy, but he's, you know, he's a bit cheeky. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, yeah, he's, we, we did briefly touch on it in one of the scenes there very quickly about how there was an incident, I think it was with his grandson at a playground or something like that. <laughs> um, and we, you know, we, you know, it's all in, in good humor. But I think, yeah, I, I, I sort of treated the backstory as he's known me since I was, you know, 14 years old, causing havoc around town. And I've just been nothing but an absolute fucking nightmare to him. And so I think that's, <laughs> you know, the kind of guy has been brought into the station again and again and again. you got to call his mum to pick him up, you know. Exactly. Now, Joe uh, gives us the feel, even though the movie set in present day, uh, he gives us like a lot of like the music store, for example. I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw a music store or a place that sells yeah. records or CDs or any of that. So he wanted to bring that nostalgic feel, and you said it's very similar but very different to Terminator and so on. Mm-hmm. Did he ever explain to you that whole nostalgia feel that he wanted to bring to this film? Yeah, in a way, he did. He was very. Uh, forward about bringing that sort of 80s neon throwback slap vibe to it. Uh, It really is a homage. Films like Hardware and things like that. So there are certainly these campy films of the late 70s, 80s, early 90s that I think he really led into. I mean, you know, we referenced some of them, Pet Cemetery 2, for example. Um, But I think we're so saturated. Not that it's a bad thing, but we're so saturated now with these modern horror films these uh really slick good looking production you could say it high budget multi-million dollar i I almost think the art of the the low budget indie horror is was slowly becoming a thing of the past in a sense of like 
you know, you see, and, and this is an amazing thing for the genre in general. Uh, you know, let's take Smile, for example. I love the film, but it's, you know, it's gone on to make hundreds of millions of dollars worldwide. Mm-hmm. But that is your prime example of a high budget, slick horror film. Yeah. And it's great and it works beautifully. But what is missing is the sort of element of not taking yourself too seriously. Let's go back to the movies that you used to watch late at night when you were a kid. Exactly. You know, like your late night TV, you put on Friday the 13th, exactly. you're watching a bunch of people get slaughtered. It, it's fun. And I think that's what Joe really went for. A lot of practical effects in this film. Uh, a lot, of, some of it involving yourself. Was it fun working with all the blood and the practical effects? Uh, yeah, it, it isn't, it isn't. <laughs> um, I've, done a few, I've, I've died in a few projects. Uh, um, and I, I it, it's, look, I prefer to be covered in fake blood in the cold over the heat because it's very sticky and sweet, yeah. so all the flies get attracted to it. Um, it is really fun, and the, the special effects team did an amazing job. Almost every effect in the film is practical, from explosions to bodies and things like that. And Joe also sort of leans into that as well, in the mm-hmm. sense of you are, as an audience member, aware that that's not a real body. There's no yeah. CGI sort of thing. But that, again, adds to that sort of fun element. And I tell you what, having a life-size body covered in fake blood thrown on top of you through a window is, you know, it's one of those things as an actor, you're like, whoa, man, like, I've dreamt of doing this shit since I was a kid. This is wild, you know, and, and getting dragged through a windshield glass by Santa Claus. I mean, that was, you know, that was certainly a pinched me moment being like, okay, we're really playing make-believe here, but I'm all about this. That sounds amazing. Now, the film takes place over the course of one night you just mentioned that all the 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 explosions are real how long did it take how long was your time on the set for uh that's a good question uh, i think it was about five to six weeks wow uh i was there for um i can't remember the days there were there was one period in the middle where i was sort of off for almost a week while they shot a lot of the um animatronic stuff and things yeah. like that but I was always on set. I mean, the cool thing was you had that family feel where, yeah, your, your day's off. You just wanted to set, have a have some lunch with the guys and, and just watch them go crazy, which was awesome. Um, but, yeah, we, it was around about five, six weeks. So certainly for me being, you know, a, a kid from Australia, spending that amount of time in rural America was, was pretty fascinating. The film starts off with uh, a TV showing us about these new AI robotic Santas to replace the mall Santas that all children will love. As a final question before we go tonight, if you remove yourself as being in this film and as a fan, when you watch the film, do we think this is a one-off manufacturing defect or are we going to see the world apocalypse by killer Santa robots? Oh, look, I think... uh, (laughs) If there's one small town Santa that goes crazy, my gut feeling is there may be a few more malfunctions out there in the world. Yeah, I think Joe left the door nicely open for a, you know. I think he did. Yeah, I think he did, and and you know, let's let's my my, my thing is I hope hopefully just finds a, a great audience that isn't just in the horror community but outside of that, and it's going to be a nice break up to the uh, family friendly Christmas yeah. fair that we get sort of saturated with exactly. this time of year. Sam, I want to thank you so much. Guys, again, the movie's called Christmas, Bloody Christmas. It's in theaters uh, right now. It is premiering 
on Shudder tomorrow, December 9th. So all of you guys who have Shudder, you got to check this out. Like I said, it's a nice, not too heavy, not too light holiday horror slasher flick. And it's done perfectly. You guys will definitely enjoy it. Sam, again, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers away. So we'll just leave it at that. I want to thank our audience. Go check it out. Go check it out and see for yourself. Thank you to our audience, those of you guys who are tuning in live and those of you who will be watching later on. On behalf of my guest, Sam Delich and myself, stay safe, stay walking, everybody. Good night.